Uh, good evening and welcome to New Hope. And uh, this is a part of offering where we get to continue our worship and expressing our love to our Lord. You know, with, in offering, it's such a relational thing to our Lord. It's very important. And, you know, I think in relationships like my wife and I, you know, I always tell her I love her every day. And we can be having arguments and fights, and I always say I love you. And it's amazing how just by saying that once in a while, every day, it diminishes um, a bad feeling or an argument or something that probably started over a nothing. And then as I was thinking about relationships in the Bible, and who did God call a friend? And there was a, a guy back, way back in the beginning when um, Israel was just starting out. And there was a man named Abraham. And he said, he's like my friend. And Abraham had a relationship that him and his nephew Lot went into a Canaanite uh, country. And they got to be so numerous that they had to part ways. So Abraham told you, you go this way, I'll go that way. Or if you go that way, I'll go this way. But they parted ways. And these four kings came and fought against these other five kings. And the four kings won, and the five kings and all the armies ran away. And so that left the four kings that invaded that land to take the people and the plunder of the land with them. Abraham hears about his, lot, about his nephew Lot being taken, and he gets his 380 men or so. But he goes, and he takes it, and he chases, and he gets his defeats these kings and come back with his nephew and all the plunder that they took and brought it back. And he gave it back. And then one of the kings said, oh, you can keep the loot for yourself. Just give me back my people. He said, no. I don't want anybody saying that I'm rich because of you. And that's because he had a relationship with God Almighty that he wanted to be associated with him. And so in the book of Isaiah, it, it talks about how God calls Abraham a friend. And that's how we get to touch our hearts with our God. Can we, can we hear him telling us, hey, Tom, you're my friend. Hey, John, you're my friend. You know, and what do friends do? We support, we lift up, and we encourage. And Jesus came as God's son and died for us. And he just asks for a little bit back through our tithes and offerings to do a, to prosper the church, to go out into the community, to reach one soul at a time. So let's pray. Lord, I just love you. I just thank you for this relationship where I know I'm loved by you. And I can call you my friend. And I just ask that you just accept my offerings and tithes out of relationship, not out of duty, but out of the love that we have. And I just pray that we'll further your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tom. I think we all have at least one friend. We've got to have at least one friend. I can remember some friends growing up, and some were good, some were not good, which maybe they weren't friends. But if you're at a place where you're saying, I don't, I don't know who my true friends are, Pastor Tom just told you, God is your friend. So you are never alone, and you are never without 
And with God, he's able to provide for us in ways that are, is more than just financial. In fact, in the series that we're in, we're talking about spiritual disciplines. God is the one that's, that supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us. So as we're going through this series, we've been talking about different spiritual disciplines that are necessary for us to develop our walk with God. What is interesting is when we develop our relationship with God, it's more than just a religious thing. And I, I don't know about you, but every day that goes by, I can, if I don't have spiritual disciplines, I can forget about my relationship with Jesus. We can go on with work, we can go to school, we can do the daily things, and we forget that we're in this relationship with God. And it takes a lot of discipline to be in a relationship with God, just like it takes a lot of discipline to stay away from certain foods. And I always bring up food because that's, that's, our, that's our weakness. I don't know about foods that you're weak with, but I know uh, some people that I know, their, their weakness is potato chips. Like, that's their, that's their weakness. I'm okay without potato chips. I, I can do without potato chips. Now, some of you, your uh, chocolate is your, your go-to, and every day you have to have at least a little morsel of chocolate. Uh, coffee. Some of you cannot go a day without coffee or an hour without coffee. Some of you, you just get like a 64 ounce of like a jug and you fill that thing up with coffee. Some of you just eat the beans. No judgment there, but that's you. I think some of you know my weakness. What is my weakness? Ice cream. Wow. That's kind of bad. No, that's actually a good thing that you know my weakness, therefore you shall not tempt me. I mean, but if you give Heidi the gift card, that's fine because she won't eat it and then she'll give it to me and then there's, it's like a middleman. She's like laundering gift cards for me. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about a word that many of us are okay with, but it may kind of stab a little bit, but it's a good kind of stab. It's a surgery stab. It's not a like just... Um, out of, out of anger or malice, it's a good heart surgery kind of cut. And the word is submission. Submission. It's the word of the night, guys. Tonight, submission. We're going to learn the life of submission. Usually, that word is used in the context of lesser than. Or in the context of, like, sometimes I'll do a wedding and I'll talk about Ephesians 5, where it talks about the role of the wife and the role of the husband. The husband loves the role of the wife. That wives, you are to be submissive to your own husbands as unto the Lord. And the husband hears that and says, yes, you need to submit, submit to me. And it feels like an empowerment kind of thing. But then when you learn the heart of submission, it's not about an authoritative position. It's really about a heart that a person has while being submissive. And I often say that a wife has no problem with submitting to a man who Ephesians also says, as a husband, you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church, that he gave himself up for her. That's like the, that's like the real pleasant version. The, 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 the true version is that Christ died for the church. So there's a death that takes place. In other words, husbands, if you want your wives to submit to you, you got to die to yourself. Because a wife has no problem submitting to a dead man. There's no problem. <laughs> there's absolutely no problem. Oh, we're going, this is where we're going. Just drag you along. So there's a, there's a, and there's biblical context to it. I know I said it in humor, but that word submissiveness or submit is not less than. It's actually a supportive role. And I use it in the context of a home. 
Let's just say you just built your home, your dream home, brand new home, got the best furniture, you, you painted the walls the colors that you wanted, even though no match, but that's the ones you wanted. You put up art pieces, you have the best lighting, and everything looks great, and you invite people over for a, uh, a blessing. Everyone comes over, they walk into your house, what are they going to say? They're usually going to say, wow, that's nice, and they'll point, th point things out. Oh, I like how you did this. Oh, look at your couch. I love this. Or they'll go to your kitchen. Oh, my goodness, look at your cabinets. And oh, I love this. They'll point things out. There's not one person that walks in the house and says, oh, man, brother, I love your cement slab. Right, your foundation is mean. Check them out. Look, hold on. No, no one says that. No one, no one looks at a house and, and when they reveal it, it's, you know, that um, the, the rebuild or they did that uh, home, home makeover, uh, forget it, stream makeover, and they would say, here's your house. They open it up. No one cries and goes, oh, oh, look at the foundation. Oh, my goodness, honey, we can stay here for a long time. Everyone's looking at the house, the beauty, the architect, the, the landscaping, and they're in awe of everything that is built on the outside because that's what everyone sees. And the cameras pan out. They even do like drone shots and footage and, and crane shots, and, and they're all waving at the end. Bye. And no one pays attention to the foundation. But we know biblically in Matthew chapter 7, without the foundation of rock, what happens? Yeah, the winds come, the rains come, and everything beats up against that house, and then the house falls. And the Bible even says, when that house falls, how great is that fall? The reason is because there was no foundation. There was nothing that held up the house. So it doesn't matter how beautiful the house is on the outside. If there's no foundation, it will eventually fall because there will be a storm sometime in life. And when it comes to that word submissive, submission, submit, it means that supportive foundation. There's a strong support when there's a person of submission. It's also used in a military term, and we'll go to some scripture on that. But without a life of submission, we have no foundation. Sometimes we think as a Christian, we need to be loving and kind and the fruit of the Spirit, and that is, that is a part of it. But even with that, we can, we can play those things out. We can act kind, we can act gentle, but if there's not a heart of submissiveness to God and with one another, how long can we put on the act? You know, actually be from day to day or from argument to argument or from relationship to relationship. But God looks at us and he says, that's not how I intended your life to be. I want you to have some spiritual disciplines and for you to live and learn a life of submission. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible tells us, And being found in appearance as a man, he, speaking of Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And if you want to follow along, we have our notes in our uh, in our church app, then you can put, uh, take that out. But Ephesians, uh, Philippians 2.8 is basically letting us know that Jesus did the, the, and, and did the greatest thing and provided the best example of what submission looks like and humility looks like, that he was found in the appearance of man, remembering that he is God. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In other words, not only did he humble himself from coming from heaven to earth, being in a perfect place to an imperfect place, he also humbled himself again and became a servant. Why? Because his heart to submit to the Father's will is incredible. And it takes his spirit in order for us to do that. 
without the Holy Spirit, we cannot have a life of submission. We will never be able to walk that out. We need His Spirit in order for us to live a life of submission. Jesus Himself said it like this in Matthew 20, verse 28, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He, he's even letting us know that this is, this is the heart that he came with. I didn't come to be served, even though he's the king of the universe. And he can demand serving or service. He, he's the king. But whenever we have a refusal of our flesh, now we're beginning to understand what submission looks like because our flesh is always going to pull at us. Our flesh wants more. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus says to his disciples, if any one of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. You know, our flesh says things like, oh, it needs to be my way or the highway. It needs to be exactly how I want it. This is how I want it done. No questions asked. Like there's just like a power that we try to portray or some type of authority that we try to throw around. And Jesus said, that's not the authority that I'm looking for. And God will even use people, situations, circumstances, even our own failures to teach us what submission should look like. And we'll be in situations where God is saying, I, I, I need you to be in this situation so that you can learn what submission looks like. And a genuine, loving, submissive spirit is not an alone one. It's not where I'm alone by myself and I say, I don't need anyone else. I can do this on my own. God doesn't want us to be singled out by ourselves and say, well, I'm going to learn this submissive spirit by myself. He says, you can't do it by yourself. You need other people in order to know what submission looks like. Without other people in your life, you're not going to understand what submission is. It's very easy to submit when no one's around. Very easy to submit when things are smooth sailing. But what happens when things are turned up and there's a storm coming our way? Because God could, in fact, use other people to teach us. He can also surround us with a supporting group of people. And just like that foundation, sometimes people will be a foundation for us. And when we have that circle of friends and we have people around us to help us to grow, sometimes to challenge us, sometimes to encourage us and, and, and kind of stir our spirit and urge us on, when we have that surrounding us, then now we're, we're built up as the body of Christ and how he designed us to be. So now when the submissive spirit is, you're battling with that and it's in there, it wants to come out and you know what you need to do, you just don't feel like it. It's that circle of influence with your friends and people that love you and, and you love enough to say, hey, guys, we can do this. Because when we miss the heart of a submissive spirit, we miss the heart of God's blessing. And he's looking for that submissive spirit. In the book of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 5 through 10, I want to read the story. And uh, it's known as the faith in the uh, centurion or the centurion's faith. And there's a story of and, and Jesus is involved in this story with the centurion. And I'll just read it from verses 5 through 10, Matthew chapter 8. And I might read uh, verse 13 also. So it begins in verse 5, Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. So apparently this, this officer was, was he, had a, he, he cared for his servant. And so he said, come, come 
uh, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Jesus is asking the question, so should I come and heal him? I found that pretty interesting that Jesus didn't say, okay, I'm, I'm on my way. But Jesus said, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So when Jesus says, shall I come and heal him, there are a couple responses that can be said or can be given from the centurion. He could say, yes, please. He could also say, no, you know, if you're too busy, then, then don't come. Like there are, there are a, a bunch of responses that the centurion could have given Jesus but the centurion gives a, it's not necessarily an answer. It's almost like, hey, Jesus, I understand what you're about. Let me, let me tell you what I'm about. Because if you're asking me if you want me to heal him, the man could say yes, but watch, watch how this man's heart with Jesus, con uh, how it connects with Jesus. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said, to those following him. So he didn't even say this to the centurion. The centurion gives him this answer and says, hey, I'm a man under authority. I say to this guy, go, and this guy, go. So I understand. And he does this. And so I'm not even, I'm not even worthy. Jesus said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And then he says in verse 13, he says to, this, to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. This centurion understood a heart of submissiveness. He understood what it meant to submit because he wasn't telling Jesus, I need this from you and so that's all I need. What he was saying to Jesus is, I understand authority. And Jesus I don't, I'm not even worthy to have you in my home. Just say the word. Just say the word. I understand the context of authority, and you have that authority, Jesus. So just say the word, and I, and I know it's going to happen. And the response from the centurion to Jesus is important for us to understand because the heart of submission is not where we just say, I am submitting. It also comes with, I also have been given the authority while I have a heart of submission. Now, this is very important and very key because holding the two positions is very difficult for us to do as Christians. To have a heart of submission and a position of authority are very difficult to hold. The centurion, he had all the authority to call the shots in his regime, in his army, in his, with his group. He could call the shots. He had that authority. So if you have that authority, sometimes it can get to you. It can cause arrogance. It can cause egotism, uh, uh, egoism, or you have a strong ego about you. You just think more of yourself. And so you come to this place of, I, it's all about me and the position. But he's also 
able to carry the heart of submission that, yes, he has this high role, but he also has this humble heart. And that's hard to carry. Some time ago, Heidi and I were flying from the big island to Oahu, and this was probably in the later 90s, and there was a concert here by a musician well-known, and while we were flying back to Oahu, that person was sitting behind us, and we're like, hey, is that the person that just did the concert? Yeah, we're like, whoa. Like, you know when you're starstruck, you just don't know what to say, what to do, and so that person's... Uh, put up the armrest, and started to lie down. Now, this is pre-9-11, okay? Uh, this is back in the 90s where you, you didn't need to even put on your seatbelt. You could just lie down on the seat, so the, the rules were different and the laws were different. So this person lies down, and the flight attendant comes over and says, oh, excuse me, sh sir, could you please sit up and then buckle up on takeoff? And then he looked up at her, and he says, what? And, and she said, can you, can you please buckle up? Uh, we're going to take off, and then... He said, he said this, I don't need to do nothing. Then he went back to sleep. Heidi and I, now we, just, we just came to know the Lord. We're like, should we lick him? <laughs> like, how dare you do that to Auntie on this airplane? Like, how dare you act like that? And, and it just, it ruined how we saw this person as an entertainer. And I thought, I wonder if that person as an entertainer didn't even see the arrogance. Like if that's normal for him in his position because he has people under him, millions of dollars. So he has so many people under him that he probably speaks like that to them. To him, it was normal. To us, it's how dare you? See, it's hard to, have, to be in a person of such high position but also carry the, the heart of submission. But Jesus did it. Jesus had the highest position. Being God, humbled himself to become all man, and then humbled himself to become a servant. And I would even go as far as to say, humbled himself one more time because Philippians says, unto death. Not only did he become the servant, but unto death. Like he did the greatest thing that anyone could ever do for us. And he submitted his life so that you and I could have life. And having those two positions is a tough thing to have, but Jesus was able to do that. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it tells us submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. In other words, we're going to have to have a fear of God in us to live a life of submission. That we have to understand that being submissive and having a heart of submission isn't about just having a, a, a wonderful spirit or a heart. It's really understanding who God is and how he wants to bless us, and how he wants us to live here on this earth, and how to carry out his commands, and to live in this relationship with him. And when we live this life of submission, it's understanding that God structured it that way. He structured it in such a way that while we're living with a heart of submission, and we, we kind of like fall into rank with him, then now he's able to, as the Bible even says, open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so much that we won't even be able to contain it. It's like we're so in alignment with God that he knows exactly where to bless rather than to just scatter blessings. His he's pinpoint accuracy of blessing is for those who have a life of submission. And he's able to do that. And it's not about getting things from God. It's exactly what this servant or the centurion believed. He said, Jesus, I don't, I'm not deserving for you to come in my house, but I know you have the authority to just say the word and 
and we're good because I, I, I have that same authority. And what Jesus saw in this man's heart was even though he had that authority, he had a heart to submit. Did you know that unsubmissiveness is not like Jesus? You know how we say we got to live like Jesus or we had those bracelets? We probably still do. WWJD, what would Jesus do? The question also is who would Jesus be? Because Jesus submitted here on this earth his whole entire life and died for us. That heart of submission is hard to grasp. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 tells us you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, if we properly learn the spirit of submission, then the road down is actually the road up. That's submission, and this is receiving authority, which is exactly what happened with Jesus. Came from the highest place to the lowest place, and God exalted him to the highest place. I don't know about you, but I'd rather God exalt me than try to strive for position. Yeah, that's a much better way. Submit to God and let him do the rest. Because then you're not looking for position or status or, or respect from other people. It's, Lord, I just want to submit my heart to you. You take care of all, of all the rest. And apart from his spirit, we cannot have a heart of submissiveness. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. Jesus calls them together. And he says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over people. And he's talking about authority. Lord, they lord it over people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know what is so great about Jesus is he never runs to the front of the line. He will... He will he will be last so that we could be first. And submission is not about letting people run you over or, or saying to ourselves, oh, I, I don't matter in this world. No, it, it's, it's a heart. It's a, there, there's, a, there's an attitude that comes with it, with it. In fact, there are three things that I wanted to give to you tonight, and it's very simple of learning this heart of submission. And the first is that submission is an inner attitude. It's something on the inside. Again, like a home that is beautifully painted and, and uh, well-crafted and built together. That's the outside. But if the foundation and even the studs in the walls, if those aren't accurate and if those aren't strengthened and not put up properly, the house crumbles. That's what submission looks like. It's the unseen things. There's an inner character about a person. It's an inner attitude. The second thing is that submission is a heart attitude. Like there's something about the heart that God looks at, that he's looking for a heart of submission, a heart that is saying, I'm with you, God, a heart that is saying, I want to serve you, and I want to be who you're making me to be, but I need your spirit in order for my heart to submit. 
for me to say, I'll submit because you're the boss, that's not a heart of submission. We can even do that at our, at, our, at our jobs, and we can even sound like a good Christian. Okay, boss, tell me what's happening. Well, we have to make these changes in the company. This had to happen. Or if you're in school, you're a teacher, you're a doctor, you're, you're a police officer, a firefighter. Just whatever role we're in, when there are changes, and as a believer, they say, here are the changes. And we say, you know, I disagree with you, but I'll submit. That's not a heart of submission. That's just submission what god looks for is a heart of submission because when the heart isn't included in it god can't see it because that's what god looks for man looks on the outside god looks at the heart so when there's a heart of submission god will use that but if it's just on the surface and okay god you know i don't like what they're doing but i'll submit there's no heart there versus, God, I'm struggling right now. I'm having a hard time. And this is why, this is why God put us in this situation because he's, he wants to do this. For us to come to a place that says, Lord, I'm having a hard time with submitting. Tell me why. What is it in me, God, that you're trying to do? Because apparently you have me in this situation that I'm having a difficult time with, what are you teaching me? And listen to what the Lord is saying. The only way we could have been able to change in, that, in, that, in, in the greater ways that God wants to bless us in is for him to put us in an area where we're having a hard time with because of our heart. Oh, it's easy to do things where our heart is in it. Like if God says, hey, I want you to go to the beach today just to hang out and paddleboard. I'm like, sure, no problem. Or he can say, I want you to go home in the hot blazing sun and go cut your grass for your wife so that she loves the lawn. Oh, like go beach? <laughs> like I... But in order for me to have a heart, I would say, Lord, I don't want to do the yard in the hot blazing sun. So, Lord, tell me why do I have a hard time with that. Teach me. Teach me something in this situation. What can I do differently? Change my heart, oh God. Renew my spirit. Lead me in the way everlasting. Like, show, show if there's anything in me, Lord God. So when he says, I, I want you to have a heart of submissiveness, and we say, sure, I want that heart of submissiveness, he'll say, okay, I'll put you in a situation where you don't want to be submissive. Because that's the only way you'll know if you have a heart of submission. It has to be in the situation where you don't want to submit. So he'll do that. And it's a great thing to do. Why? Because God is behind it. Listen, God will never put us in a situation that he's not trying to bless us in. He'll never do that. God blesses his people. The question is, are we a people who want to be blessed? And as far as I've read throughout Scripture, before the blessing comes a very difficult season. It's very difficult. Before a great heart of change comes a great heart for the battle of change. And those things take place. But here's the last thing, the third thing, is that submission is a spiritual attitude. It is spiritual. There's a spiritual warfare that's taking place when it comes to submission. Because submission, submission cannot be demanded and it cannot be required. I cannot tell you, submit to me. You must submit to me. You, you can't demand submission. There's a movie coming out on May 24th, which is next week. 
is one of my all-time favorite Disney cartoons remastered, remade, and it is called Aladdin. Then I heard Will Smith was the genie. I was like, ooh, I don't know if that's going to work. But he is my favorite actor, so it may work. In this movie, there is one thing the genie cannot do, and he cannot make someone love you. He can't make someone love you. There are other things that he cannot do, more wishes, that's out. But he cannot make someone love you. It's the same thing with submission. You can't make someone submit. And neither can God. God can't make us submit because the very essence of the word submit and the context and the heart behind submission is a willing spirit. You know who possessed that very well? Jesus. Before he went to the cross, he was in the garden of Gethsemane. And then he prayed three times. Remember, he said, if this cup can be taken away from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. Like, I don't want to go through this. I'm, I'm, I'm in agony. He was in such agony that he was sweating blood. That's agony. But he had a spirit of submissiveness, and he submitted. He didn't submit in the context of, you know what, I don't want to do this, but I'll do it, because you said, so I'll do it. He had the heart, he had the attitude, and he had the spirit to do this. There was something on the inside that he was able to follow through with what he came to do. And this was the point of no return. So when he got arrested, he continued on and he kept that spirit. Imagine if we had that spirit in all of us. Imagine if we walked out that spirit of submission, how, how our families would be different. As husbands, that we would love our wives just as, a, just as Christ loved the church that he gave himself up for it. That's a different attitude when it comes to us as husbands giving up ourselves, dying for our wives. Imagine that. Like, practice it in small ways. Just practice. I'm going to throw some practices out there, okay? So wives, take some notes so that when your you know, husband is not practicing, you just put the note just next, right next to him. Just like, listen, not, just kind of put him right there and then walk away. And then call me because you guys are going to get into a fight and then we'll do some counseling. <laughs> like, if there are certain things that, that you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to cause fights. I'm saying... This is what we can do to practice. Husbands, let's just say when you come home, you rule the TV. It's yours. The remote is fingerprint activated. Retina scanned only by you. Only you can have the remote. Can you give that up? You might be thinking, oh yeah, I can give up the remote. Easy. Because you don't watch TV. When you come home, take your cell phone. Give it to your wife. Or just turn it off and then give it to her. Or you find something that is very difficult for you to give up and die for your wife. Find something and give that up. Just practice it because we have to practice it. No sense come to church tonight and say, oh, that's so good, Pastor. The Lord spoke to my heart. So good. Go home and say, hey, give my Mary my remote. Click, 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 click. Like, there has to be something that we have to practice in. Like, we have to be in the arena in order to learn submission. We're not going to learn submission like this. 
This is not, it's just not going to happen in a, in, the, in a setting like this. And then wives, <laughs> you can figure it out. I don't want to go there because Heidi's right there. So I'm just going <laughs> to let down slide. But you, you find something. You find something. What is it for wives? Because the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as unto the Lord. I find it very interesting that the Bible says, submit yourself to your own husband. Go look it up, Ephesians 5, 25. Submit yourself to your own husband as unto the Lord. In other words, sometimes as wives, wives are more respectful, not in a flirtatious way, to other people's husbands than they are their very own. So the Bible tells wives, be submissive to your own husbands, your own husbands. Not someone else's. Because, and, and it's very respectful. I understand that you want to respect others. And sometimes we're kinder to other people than we are our own spouse. But the Bible is saying that kindness, it should be here. So submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. And here's how it works. When the Bible says submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord, it's saying you're really not submitting to your husband. You're submitting through your husband unto the Lord. There's a difference. So when you're being submissive to your husband, let's just say for argument's sake, your husband felt like, oh, wow, yeah, my wife is submitting to me. She had a king at a castle. You can, in your heart, say, I see that you feel like that, but I am submitting through you to the Lord. Now, you're not doing it in an arrogant spirit. It's a, it's a spirit of learning, of submissiveness, that I'm not saying I'm less than you. I'm saying I have a heart for Jesus and I want to learn how to submit to my Lord through you. And every family is going to be different. The culture is going to be different, how, how, you, how you speak to one another. But of course, biblically, there's a, there's a dynamic when it comes to a marriage and a family. But just practice. Find ways to practice how I can learn this life of submissiveness. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, listen to what they said. They said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and so they went on to another village. Like this is... This is James and John. They were in the inner circle of Jesus. Jesus had his disciples, but he also had Peter, James, and John. That was his inner circle, his like, closest friends. So his closest friends comes up and says, oh, they don't want to welcome you, Jesus. You want us to wipe them out? Should we pray that God wipes them out? What do you want us to do? And Jesus is like, well, well no. That's not what we're about. That, that's not who we are. Don't use your authority in that kind of way. Jesus was punched, yet he didn't, he didn't retaliate. He was slapped in the face and spit upon, yet he still said, Father, forgive them. There's a heart of submissiveness, a spirit of submissiveness. It's something on the inside that we can possess, and that as we walk it out and we live it out, God says, I can bring in my blessing. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 says, what we do see is Jesus, who was given a position a little lower than the angels. 
And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. And in verse 15, it says, Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Listen, a spirit of submission is not cowardly. It's not cowardly. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So when there's a spirit of submission, that is a strong spirit. It's not a timid spirit. It's not a, a spirit of the fear of man. In fact, there are, there are three things that we do not submit to. We do not submit to Satan. We do not submit to our flesh. And we do not submit to legalism. But we do submit to the things of God. Because a spirit of submission is not a confusing spirit. It is one with God. And the success of a heart of submission is dependent on our heart of our submission to the Father. It's that relationship once again. And I pray as we work on these disciplines, this one right here, the spirit of submission and living the life of submission, as we walk that out, we're going to see not just our relationships thrive, but we're going to see everything around us begin to change because the power of God is living through us because we're living with a life of submission. That's what happened with Jesus when he came on this earth. He, he changed everything around him. And although he lived in an obscure village and he grew up in, a, in such a small place and Israel is such a tiny little state in our world, Jesus changed everything about history because of the life that he lived. And I pray that for us tonight. Amen. You can put away your notes and, and we're going to pray for a minute because of this spirit of submission. It's not an easy one, but God can work us through. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment, and as we pray, if you're, if you're here with your spouse or, or maybe you're, you're a loved one um, and, and you want to pray for each other, we can take time to do that. And maybe you want to grab their hand or, or put your hand on them or, or something, but just let them know that let's pray together kind of thing. If you fought on the way in and you don't want to grab hands right now, well, this is the perfect time to do that because now you're in church and I'm watching and God sees you. I'm not trying to condemn you, just saying, so let's pray. Lord God, I know that there may be some of us tonight when we walked in, it was tough. Had a tough day, had a tough week, going through difficulties in, in whatever ways. But this is where submission is practiced. It's practiced when we don't want to submit. And it's practiced in, a, in an arena that is very difficult. But it's a spiritual discipline. And it takes discipline in order for us to submit to you, to be submissive to one another, and so we need your spirit. We ask that you would do something on the inside because a spirit of submission is an inner attitude. There's something that takes place on the inside. It's not exterior, it's interior. Give us a heart that submits to you because it's with that submissive heart that we're able to submit to one another and to become the people you see us to be. And we need your spirit. Without your spirit, we cannot submit. We won't have the power. 
we will not have the guidance and we won't have the motivation to live a life of submission. And I pray that as we leave here tonight, all joking aside, Lord, help us to apply it in whatever ways we may, that we may think that would be best for us in our families, in our life, in our marriages. Speak to us, Lord, on, on how we can practice this. And if it's tangible things like a remote control or, or, or how we do things, can you speak that to us? Even while we're in the situation, speak to us a heart and spirit of submission so that your blessings can flow into our lives and families. We pray for one another. We pray for our spouse. That we would be examples as well as that you would empower them to live that kind of life of submission. We pray for us too, for ourselves, that we would set that example. I pray for all the men that we carry, we carry a, a position, as you said in your word, as head of the household. And what that means, Lord, is that you're going to speak to us to be that spiritual head of the family. So help us to step up to that, to submit to you. And help us to be the men that you see us to be. And even for the women, Lord, I pray for all the women that it's, it's, it's the world that we live in tells them that they need to be like this, look like this, behave like this, and do these things. But their value is not in the things that they do. Their value is in their relationship with you. And may they be developing as the days go by a heart of submissiveness to you. May they develop that. Help us to support one another. We pray for our children that they too would develop that kind of heart that kind of spirit, so as they continue to grow up and they become adults and young adults, that their submission is not to another person, but it's to you, and that they would see other people as valuable also. I pray for us as a church, Lord, that our submission would be to you, that we would be the church that thrives together, we learn and grow together, so that we become more like you. When people see us, Lord, we want them to see you. So we pray these things in your precious name. And we all said together, amen, amen.